We want to welcome you guys back to our presentation on the Growing Young Adventist Journey for Southwestern Union Conference. This is our fifth episode together, and we're back with our Texas pastors. And if you remember, we left off uh, with the, the amazing quote that was by Pastor Mark here. Everybody wants change, but they don't want to be the first one. And we do want to explore the realm of change, how, how that comes about. And one of the most important quotes that I've learned through the Growing Together journey was that people don't necessarily fear change, they fear loss. And uh, I want to actually relay this question over to our pastors because there are some common assumptions and the fears that just rise to the surface when you talk about, hey, we're, we want to grow young. Like, and we want to kind of go around and share a little bit of your encounters and interactions with your elders, deacons, board members, senior leadership. Um, as you talk with them, what were some of the common uh, fears and assumptions that arose in your um, you know, engagement with them? And we'll begin with Pastor Jose here. Uh, I would like to address the assumptions, um, simply because, as I mentioned in our congregation, uh, they've had this <clears throat> attitude towards encouraging young people to participate and even investing in the lives of young people. Uh, but then we assume that what we're doing is enough, mm. uh, that we're okay reaching this segment, or it's okay to ask kids to participate during church service, mm -hmm. which we, we've done for, for decades in that church. So um, it's, it's more about taking the next step mm -hmm. and make a, make a fair assessment of how much effort are we putting into this? How committed are we? Uh, and uh, are we really willing to let go of some things? Are we really give, uh, willing to give a church key to a young person? Mm -hmm. Uh, are they going to have full access to this thing? How much are we going to trust them? So in, in our case, that was the challenge, mm -hmm. to take the next step, to go from this is what we've been doing for decades and uh, we're comfortable with it, mm -hmm. to what's next. How many, um, how many more people are we going to include? How many more changes are we willing to make? And whenever we went through the, uh, the presentation and, and, and our leaders read the book and we had those conversations, it, we realized that there were some simple things that we could do to take the next step, um, to encourage some kids to be greeters, mm -hmm. uh, to be the, 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 the face, the first face that people would see when they would walk into our congregation, into our church mm -hmm. on Sabbath, um, and spending time with young people, mm -hmm. listening to their stories, mm -hmm. um, being willing to, to go pick a young person up. Uh, on Sabbath morning to bring him to church, mm -hmm. you know, small things like that. So mm -hmm. it was more about understanding mm -hmm. that we make some assumptions mm -hmm. and we miss the, the fact that there's so much more that we can still do in order to be effective and to reach the next generation. Right, room for improvement and continual right. you know, strive to really reach the demographics that we're not currently <clears throat> reaching. Yeah, and at our church, Crosswalk Fellowship, uh, I still consider it a fairly new church plant. It's only existed 14 years. So in church life, it, that's still pretty young. Yeah. Um, and church plants typically pride themselves in saying, hey, we're willing to change. We're willing to you know, implement good things and stay fresh and modern. But even our church, you know, I'm finding areas where um, that's not the case because it's easy to get comfortable, get settled, here's where we're at. We like where we're at, that's why we grew and we survived, because we like where we're at. 
we're, we're, what about the unknown? Mm. And so, you know, those are challenges you bump into um, is, the, is comfort level. Yeah. And then you start getting pushback in you know a variety of ways, different people yeah. for, you know, and it's not always bad, uh, bad people with bad ideas. It's just simply, you know, maybe not Plan A simply because we've been doing this way and we like it. Like yeah. you've only been here 14 years, and <laughs> you, you did a church plant because you want to continue to grow young and be fresh and help the community where the community is at. And even in 14 years, how easy you can already start setting a foundation yeah. and say, we're not going to move. It's like, really? Come on. Um, the comfort level has been reached. Right? Yeah, the comfort level can get reached with humanity so quickly yeah. and with churches. Even if you've experienced the opposite and it's went well, mm -hmm. there's always that, that, that tendency to go to put in your anchor and, and hmm. don't change. Mm -hmm. And so it's always a challenge to, I wouldn't use the word fight against it, but it's always a challenge to continue to keep that honest, open, yeah. be aware of it, uh, but be patient with your people, communicate mm. through it, um, knowing that no matter what you do, God in heaven had great plans. A third of the perfect angels didn't like it. Mm. Mm. You pick your story Ooh. in the scriptures, Ooh. let alone Jesus, mm. his right. own remnant, yeah. hello, mm. his own remnant church, mm -hmm which we like to say we're the remnant, didn't like it. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, you know, I'm not cancer. Our church isn't cancer. The, the program isn't cancer. But when you have good ideas, it's good to patiently, lovingly, kindly implement them, knowing that some people will love it, mm -hmm. but then there's some people won't like it so much. But that doesn't make it a bad idea. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. So, what's your, been your experience? Well, yeah, you? there's, there's a couple things that I could, I could maybe just bring to the conversation. And one is that... Um, Part of, part of the conversation and journey is to help people differentiate between principles and personal taste. Yeah. Um, and, and we can talk more about that later. The other thing is that another challenge I think churches face is that old people have assumptions about young people and young people have assumptions about old people. True. And um, they're not always very accurate. And, and so... If you can get a conversation going, mm. then then you can begin to work these things through, mm. and 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 that's that's where I find um, that's where I find our congregation right now. And, and maybe I'm getting ahead in the story when we come back, but the value that I think of of the growing young Adventist uh, process is that it builds in intentional plan for conversation, inter yes. inter cross generational mm. conversation, mm. Yeah. Uh, and that's huge. But um, I'll, I'll save some of that and and Dean. Go ahead, man. Man, you're the shortest conversationalist of, the, of those two guys. So now I have to be less, and then Alan's going to do nothing. Um, so just very quickly with, with our, with our, I bet I got you earlier, didn't I? It was, it was off camera, but I just got you again. Yes. Pastoral love. Uh, ask a preacher to talk short and see what happens. Good luck. So, you know, for, for our congregation, things have gone very well. But I, I'm going to do something a little different to add. I'm a parent. I think mm. we're all parents. Mm -hmm. And I have a 15-year-old, soon to be 16, mm -hmm. and I have a 19-year-old. Yep. And what I want is somebody to, besides me, because Dad does not know anything right now. <laughs> I know absolutely nothing. And I want somebody else to say, Alan, mm -hmm. yeah. I see potential in you yeah. mm -hmm. to my daughter. Mm -hmm. I see potential in you to my son. Right. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that we were talking off break that I have seen surface at, at Louisville 
a couple times, uh, no, well, we shouldn't do this, or maybe this is too much, or maybe this is too radical. And I'm thinking, and then I'll ask, don't you have kids that aren't in church right now? Mm. Wouldn't you like to have had somebody do this for your child? When I was 10 years old, I, we moved to an, uh, this new church. And I was the only kid my age. And one, I was there for Byron just for a few Sabbaths, and this guy comes and taps me on the shoulder. He said, hey, I'm Ken. Would you like to help with the running the PA? Would you like to be trained? Yeah, I'm sitting here in the seat bored. Sure, let's do it. Uh, it that was in 1979, and Ken and I are still friends today. Yeah, awesome. And he's still an elder in the church, and he is proud. And he says, you know what? I yeah. feel like that was God telling me to tap you on the shoulder to, yeah. to get you included in the church because wow. I would have been bored and out. Wow. So that's wow. the thing about growing young is the people who resist is just to ask them if they have children, wouldn't you want somebody to do this for your child? Or would you like to have mm. had them do it for your child when, it was, when they were available? Yeah. Alan? Yeah, David Kinneman has this great quote, president of Barna Group. He says, do we love our traditions more than our children? Mm -hmm. yep. And on the instantaneous moment of looking at how desperately I'm clinging to my traditions mm -hmm. while when I go home after we've done our service or our program or our customs mm -hmm. that my, my own children don't have a place for identity, belonging, and purpose in the midst of my traditions, mm -hmm. then something about that just doesn't seem very Christ-like, mm -hmm. right? So I'm sorry, we don't have time for children. And Jesus says, I'm sorry, we have time for all the children, including you, who are children of God. Okay, yeah. so here's the part that I think is really important in this part where we're talking about our challenges. For in my context, I've been at my congregation for over a decade. What we learned, Andy Stanley says this so well. He says, "Mission leaks." Mm. Yeah. yeah. And so some of the successes we have is just a, a binary of demographics of the area. So we're a young congregation, but most of us don't know how we got there. Mm -hmm. <laughs> And if we don't know, most of our congregation, most of our young, uh, young people, our, our elders, our leaders, don't know how we became this vibrant church. And so what Growing Young Adventists helps us do is we make it a part of our culture and we, re, we massage that culture over and over again. So it's to intentional. The yeah. So you we, know which button to push. And that's you right. It on right. Purpose. The, yeah. the challenge for us is that those young adults and those teenagers and those 10-year-olds eventually become older people. Mm -hmm. And as we become older, we want more stability and we want more things stayed and so mm -hmm. forth. If we're not careful enough to reach back to the next generation and do that intentionally, not accidentally, um, yeah. so that Ken can say, hey, you know what? It worked when I, I tapped Dean's shoulder. I'm going to tap someone else's shoulder this next week. And I'm going to add someone else to the tech room. We, we got digital stuff now that I don't even understand how to, to work yeah. on social media platforms. I need those generations mm -hmm. in here, right? right? If we don't continue that process, like for me, my young adults in Oh, wow, 2010 are not young adults anymore, right? right? Neither so are you. <laughs> <laughs> so so the, the challenge is, is that if we do not have this continual process of making sure that our congregations understand the missional intention of our church, how we're going to do it in the methodological ways that we're doing, like the core commitments, then it's easy enough for Moses to pass it on to Joshua but in Joshua's generation, if they didn't pass it on, 
It's right. devastating. In one generation, you can lose the momentum that you garnered during the heyday of your young adult ministry or when your church was still vibrant or when you were a church plant. Yeah. And so that's the part of the process that we have to recognize is that, oh, I know where I'm going to sit. My friends are going to sit around me. Mm. I know that the people across the way, I know that the pastor's only going to preach for 25 minutes. I like things to be predictable. And so in that process, we begin to rely more on the predictability of our traditions mm -hmm. as opposed to the explosive missional mindset of God expanding the kingdoms in ways that we can't even imagine. Yeah. We didn't plan for a pandemic, did we? Yeah. And then the digital landscape now being completely populated with all kinds of... I haven't been on TikTok, but there's many young, young Adventist missionaries on TikTok talking about all kinds of stuff and sharing about Jesus oh, yes. in ways that we couldn't have never imagined a year ago from where we are right now. And that, that's part of the challenge is that yeah. when change comes, it shocks us, it creates fear and all these type <clears throat> of things. Ron Heifetz's quote is correct. We don't so much fear change as we fear loss. Man, I wish things could go back to normal. So if I could just jump in on that point and coming back to that, Justin, I think that's a very uh, astute observation. And I've, I've brought that, that observation into the process in our church because I think probably every church is going to experience that, this. And that is that when people get a little deeper into this, they begin to see that there is going to be change. Yeah. And, and then they begin to say, wait a minute, what, 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 did, we, what did we get ourselves into here? And, yeah. and, and so realizing that it's, it's, they're afraid of losing something, I'm now asking the question, I'm not, I'm not going up to them and saying, so what are you afraid of losing? I'm not asking <laughs> no. the question like that. Right. But right. I'm, I'm, I'm saying, help me understand what, where the concern is and, and what do you think might right. change it? So I'm trying to understand where they feel like the loss mm -hmm. might occur so that we can navigate through that. And oh, honestly, yeah. that, that's, that's the piece that we're, the conversation that we're in right now, yeah, yeah. is finding out what the losses that they're yes. afraid of boom, boom, are. Boom. Yeah. And so then how do we now navigate that in a, in a positive way? And, yeah. and that, again, can only happen with, with conversation. Right. One, of, one of the quotes that was coined by one of the growing young authors was leadership begins with listening. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's beautiful because part of the challenge is that initial resistance mm. is based on the change. But if you listen long enough, Justin has a great story about this. If you listen long enough, you get to the heartstrings of what is the real issues going on for your people. Because yeah. your older members are your members too. Yes, they are. They're, they're your members too. And so when things seem like they're getting away from you, when you're feeling like you don't have a sense of identity, belonging, and purpose in your own church, of course you're going to fight. Mm -hmm. We all fight against those things that rob us of those elements. And so that's the, the part that you, you're talking about in regards to this is that from a pastoral or ministry leadership perspective, it's less about us saying, okay, we're going to be doing Growing Young Adventists and you don't have any say about it. It's like, okay, we, we want to do something that's going to help all of us grow together. Let me listen carefully to your stories, not just to sympathize with your situation, but to truly begin to empathize. To, as the old phrase is, walk a couple of miles in your moccasins. Understand where you're coming from in regards to this. And if we do that, I think the Holy Spirit, you know, is going to take what we use methodologically and give us a chance to see people begin to connect in deeper ways than we've ever seen them do before. 
Justin, can I piggyback on something that he said go ahead, go ahead. before Byron talked, the, the, the previous one? Okay. And you made allusion to Tom Rayner, who's, who's probably got the best short little books about church growth mm -hmm. and health. And he, he, he made a comment in one of his books. If you want to know what the unchurched think about your church and about God, ask your young people. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Mm -hmm. Now, if we're not willing to invest in our young people through growing young and helping as a church, and as a, as a congregation to do that, if we're not willing to give our own members keys, mm -hmm. are we going to be willing to give a key to an, a person who's just now coming to church? Mm. I've had, I, 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 had a, I had a church member probably about six months ago said, I've been here five years, yeah. mm -hmm. but I still don't feel like you want me here. Yeah. Oh, wow. Because yeah. nobody gave this lady keys. Mm -hmm. They didn't, and, and our young people see that. Mm. Fortunately, Louisville, that shift is, is changing, mm. and the and those who are involved in in the growing young cohort, they're in, when when we bring something up, they said, let's ask a young person to yeah, do that. That's mm. right. Mm -hmm. And I go back. We're we're all pastors here, and we're speaking to pastors in large part. I go back to when my kids. Nothing pains me more is when we get home from church, and my daughter says, "I don't ever want to go back to your church yeah, again, yeah, mm. where yeah. I pastor." Mm. That those people mm. are. They don't care about me. Yeah, yeah. And and I and I know they care about her, but they don't. She doesn't see it as a visible action. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, something else important that I, I don't know if it was you, Dean, or or Alan, that made me think of. And and I just want to share this with all all the pastors that may be uh, watching and and listening and and thinking about: Do we want to embark on this journey? I think, and and some of our members have seen this too. And that is, whenever you're talking about bringing the, the younger generations into the leadership and life of the church, um, I think they've sometimes seen examples where it becomes us against them. Mm -hmm. and, and, and I think, you know, you said, we're doing growing young, and whether you like it or not, this right. is what we're doing. And so what we do is we alienate yeah. the, the older generations mm -hmm. who have put their life blood into this yeah. church, yeah. who are supporting this church financially, yeah. Yeah. who are showing up and volunteering to be at the work bees and do the maintenance. And, yeah. and they're the ones that are caring for it. And now they're getting told, guess what? You don't matter yeah. because the young people are where it's at. Mm -hmm. And what I want to be clear is that's not what Growing that's Young right. Adventist right. is about. Right. Mm. Um, in fact, what, what, what it really, what I love about it is that it's saying we need all of our generations, mm -hmm. so let's get that conversation between young and old going, and how can we go on this journey together? Yes. We, we need not each other. So it's not other. us against mm -hmm. them, it's yes, yeah. we need each other. Yeah. Nice. Right. Man, right on the money. Thank you so much for clarifying that. You know, the, the common assumption that many people have for growing young Adventists is just that. It's just something for young people, but it's not. And uh, I want to actually transition our conversation in, into, okay, how do we transition from the assumption to complete trusting relationships with, with one another <laughs> to really grow together, right? Mm -hmm. And you actually um, gave us a preview about the listening sessions and conversations. Mm -hmm. But the beautiful thing about this journey is for allowing those platforms and spaces where the generations can come together and begin to converse, learn each other's stories, and begin to kind of just navigate. Hey, this is their story. This is my story. How, how is God going to orchestrate a beautiful story with all of us, right? And 
Um, these are the um, small incremental changes that we engage in as churches to go on this journey. And I want to just ask the pastors, okay, you signed up, you registered, and you said, okay, we're, we're going to try to grow together. What were some of the first like experimentations that you've done on the margins, small incremental steps that you have taken for those assumptions to be debunked and for generations to come together and begin to talk to each other. What are some of the things that you have engaged in? Okay, well for us in San Marcos was very interesting, very unique I would say, because the pandemic forced us, pushed us into relying more on our young adults. Um, I'm going to try to be quick, Dean. Right? <laughs> no, uh, we made up for it over here. This yeah, table. yeah, okay, now it's our turn. It's our turn at this table. <laughs> yeah, so you guys get the next two minutes and we'll take the balance. <laughs> no, it, it, uh, we were forced into it right before the pandemic, a, a few months uh, before. Um, I had been preaching uh, on Sundays in a Sunday church that lost their pastor and invited me to preach. And after a few weeks, they requested Bible studies. Mm. This is a small congregation made of about five families. Um, and um, very influential people in the community uh, that liked the different feel of some of the messages. I was preaching the same message that I was preaching on Sabbath on Sunday. Um, same quotes, uh, everything. And uh, they, they asked, can we start a Bible study? And I said, thank you, Lord. This is what I was praying for. Uh, not because I wanted to convert them into Adventism necessarily, but because I wanted for them to, to get to know us better. The, everything else is up to the Lord. Uh, and, uh, and we started a Bible study and we opened it to our church members and we had people attending. And that, that <laughs> originally uh, or was planned to be a small Bible study group, uh, went from uh, having six people to 15 every Wednesday. My youngest was nine years old, the oldest was 92 years old. Mm -hmm. So you get there, that was the perfect setup to start growing young, you know, <laughs> and to grow together. And we, that, that meeting went on for some time. And at the very end, there was a, a group of young adults that would like to have dinner. Food is key for, for, for young adults, right? So we would Amen go to Taco to Bell a couple of blocks down the street, <laughs> and, and uh, we would spend some time together and have those conversations, listening to, to yeah. what they felt, what they wanted. Um, then the pandemic hit. Mm. We couldn't meet. Two weeks after we uh, closed our doors for some time, I started receiving um, emails from some of our church leaders saying that they were, they were quitting their responsibility. Mm. I lost 70% of my church board. Mm. They decided to quit. Mm. Uh, in the meantime, I had developed a strategy. Se how 70, 70, 70, 70, yeah, 70% mm. of my board from first elder to head deaconess, head deacon, you know, they stepped down. You just they were kind enough to tell you instead of just disappearing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, and uh, in the meantime, you know, we were trying to develop a, a strategy on how are we going to minister to a congregation in this situation. And uh, I, I send it to the, 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 the remnant, the, the group that uh, was still involved, and I didn't hear anything back from them. And I don't blame them, please. Uh, you know, we all go through crisis. It was a big thing. Many people were being impacted. They thought they needed to prioritize differently. They felt they could not dedicate the time and the effort. And mm. I totally respect that. But then I started hearing from my young adults, Pastor, what are we going to do? Mm. 
And I said, what, what would you do? This is what I laid out. This is the plan. How do you think we should modify it? And all of a sudden, I get several new ideas. I'm willing to do this. Why don't we start a, a Bible study? Uh, we want to continue with our Bible study on Wednesdays. I'm going to lead it. You know, I'm going to make sure it, it's on Zoom. And we're going to do this and that. And uh, all of a sudden, the pandemic, and, and it's weird to say this, but it became a, became a blessing for our community. And I, I could go into details, but I, don't, I know I don't have the time, Dean. Uh, but just, 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 yeah, just, just, time, just to summarize five, it, four, just to summarize this, I'm going to say, I'm going to say that in, in, the, in the first, in the first five months of the pandemic, <coughs> our church did more for our community yeah. than what we had done the previous five years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know, all of a sudden, people started to 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 hear more about the Adventist Church, what our young adults were doing, mm -hmm. from distributing masks to bringing food to feeding homeless to do all sorts of things, mm -hmm. because they received. The empowerment. Uh, needless to say, a couple of months after that, when we had to fill the positions for a board, guess who was selected? Those same young adults, the group, the core group that would meet at Taco Bell months before, and they engaged, they, they, they uh, worked together, and now they're leading the church. Amen. Amen. Well said. We should have more time. <laughs> right, I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry. Wow. Byron will give him that time. Well, I, I can just <laughs> jump in with a couple quick things that, that we're doing. First of all, when we, we started this, we, we decided that we intentionally did not want this to be a conversation only with, with younger generations. So mm -hmm. our pastoral yeah. staff intentionally looked and said, we're, we're going to have four to six people that we want engaged in the cohorts. Mm -hmm. And we're going to have half of those from yeah. our young adults and half of those from established church leaders. And so we we spoke specifically with people and recruited so that we've we've got that yeah. balance there yeah. uh, and following through and um, I, I will say that that it's it's a little harder to to keep the older ones engaged the young ones at least in my experience the, the mm. young ones are like yeah this yeah. this sounds awesome right, right. the the older ones are like well yeah I don't know if I really matter if I, I sh you know I'm, I'm important in this conversation what I'm telling them is no look we, we need the balance and the wisdom and the experience yes. mm -hmm. that, that you have. We, we need that in this conversation. Yeah. So you're as an important a, a right. part of this process as the others. The second thing that, that we've done is we've had our first listening session where mm -hmm. we, you know, for several weeks promoted it to the whole church and said, we want you all to come. This is not just about y y young people. This yeah. is about all of you. We need to hear from you. And so some, uh, some and it's interesting. When, when the young people are sharing some of their things, I, I hear some of the older people and I go stand beside them and they're like, you know what, that's not how it really is. They just don't know. Mm -hmm. And so all of a sudden now the older people don't feel so threatened because yeah. they're like, you know what, this is solvable because mm -hmm. they've got a misconception that, that yeah. we can actually address. So, right. so those are the things that we've done thus far. And I heard there was Boba team involved. Oh yeah, <laughs> big hit, big hit. <laughs> awesome. Well, you know, what you said is very interesting because just, just, just to complement the, the story, story, the young adults inspired the older generation yeah. in my church, yeah. mm -hmm. and they worked together. Mm -hmm. So I imagine this young adult going from house to house, taking uh, uh, the piece of cloth. Uh, so this older lady would would, would saw some some masks, mm -hmm. and you know go to the next house, and the other lady was going to put the, uh, the 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 elastic thingy on it, and then yeah. they would they would work together mm. with the with the adults, and they got inspired. 
and say they're doing it, I need to go back and actually get my hands dirty again. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a blessing, yeah, working and, together. And, and I just want to say shout out to the older people in my church. They, they have a heart for, for our young Amen. people, seriously. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and that's why they're willing to engage yeah. the journey. And, and, and they say, hey, we want to get them involved in the deacons and the elders and the deaconesses and all these things. So really, really proud of them. All right, Mark and Dean, you want to pitch in with a little bit of the experimentation that you guys went through? Uh, probably for the sake of time, it'd be better to pass it on. We, we've done little bits of listening, but we've just taken such small steps because during this time frame of not just pandemic, but in having planned to buy a church, bought a church, and now we're having to renovate everything, that's, I don't have any amazing story to contribute well, you, in that you context. You did tell me that the, through the whole renovation process, <clears throat> The generations were working together. Oh, yeah, yeah, we've done that. We're Because we have a very unique thing that, because we're in Frisco, North Dallas. I mean, everything is super spendy. Um, We literally spent half a million dollars for someone else's mortgage renting for a few years. (laughs) And so we finally, by God's uh, grace, was able to find five acres and about 20,000 square foot building property for 1.6 million, uh, which is a blessing. We still didn't have enough money for a down payment, so we did the unthinkable um, th- thing about Dean earlier, you know, the subconscious, you know, what choices we make. Too often, sometimes, in some circles, pastors have this pressure, and sometimes churches do too, have this unwritten pressure to build your own kingdom. Mm. We'll call it his, but, but it it's ours. yours. Yeah. We're not on commission sales, but we kind of are. You can edit that out, but... Um, so that's what tithe really is, okay. Yeah, but... Is that what you're saying? No, 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 I'm not going that direction. I, I pay tithe. Um, but So we did the, the very unusual thing is our denomination, we're super diverse, but we teamed up with a Spanish-speaking congregation in the area, and together we pooled our money and bought it together. Wow. So nice. we have to play nice because we both own it. Mm, and, like and, it. and we are, but in the long conversation of the whole process... One of the things we had to do is, okay, we have one campus, two languages. We got people born and raised in Kenya, Brazil, Latvia, Canada, all over the place. Uh, India. And so it's a wonderful, wonderful thing we have. And then literally in the same property, there's a group that they speak Spanish. And they said, we just love what you're doing. They were saying that to us because we're the bigger investor and we have more people. But they said, we, they love what we're doing. Let's unite and, ha- and share Sabbath school for our kids because our kids want to speak mm-hmm. English. Mm-hmm. We're like, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Big campus, but it's not that big, so it makes sense we share. So long story short, they started at 9 for Sabbath school. We started at 10, but the traditional crosswalk has been do worship first and then Sabbath school afterward. Mm-hmm. And talk about a discussion. <laughs> change, right? What are we, we that's, that's real change, man. That's, <laughs> what are we doing? I'm getting flashbacks. We still started and ended at the same time, but we proposed, well, let's start and end at the same time, but just do Sabbath school first and then worship. So, and they'll change, so we're basically just meeting in the middle. Mm-hmm. So we can have one campus wow. time that works for everybody. <laughs> Talk about change, and it's kind of like you know what 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 are we, you know what are we losing? For, I mean, the whole process is just like oh man, trying to go through that. And we did change because the majority um, saw the benefit in unity when the world <coughs> can't seem to unify in anything. You name it, 
color, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, male, female, yeah, yeah. politics, yep, COVID, yep. Ma mask, you name it, people can't agree. Mm -hmm. So I, I started with the devotional of John 17, 23, where Jesus said, if, if believers actually have unity, yeah. mm -hmm. the unbelievers will know that Jesus was real yep. and yep. that God loves them mm -hmm. as much as God loves Jesus. All we have to do is a, something that's free mm -hmm. and that's unity. Yeah. Right. Right. It's really hard unless the Jesus can help us. Mm -hmm. yes. So the majority voted to change, mm -hmm. but yeah. that was uh, still in progress. Yeah. I still pro it's, it's yeah, still changing. You see the old twist breaking out on you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, mercy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's well, pretty cool though. It's got, you can't, I mean, isn't this what heaven's going to look like? Right. Yet, why are we so resistant? Amen. Uh, well. Dean, can you tell us about the elder at, at the at the church and also the young adult that began to teach Sabbath school? Yeah, kind of, yeah, absolutely. You know, we we have uh, we the church Louisville made that decision almost two years ago. They said we want to be a church that reaches the unchurched. So we're going to change our language. They got rid of Sabbath school. They call it Connect Groups. Mm -hmm. They do it Connect Groups during the week. They do it in the in the on Saturday mornings, mm -hmm. Sabbath morning for us. And it came time to add another group. The, the ones getting full, people are starting to come back. And the, the, mm -hmm. one of the elders who is in this, the cohort and going through it said, you know what, rather than asking another adult to do it, let's ask the young adult. Mm -hmm. yeah. Let's see if, if Sydney would be willing to do it. Yeah. And uh, Pastor, why don't you ask her? Because it would mean a lot coming from, from you. Okay. So I... I cornered her after church and I explained to her why would you and she's I think she's 22 she said why would you want me why, why don't you just get a, an adult so well, you are an adult <laughs> you're just a younger version of one and she said well I don't I don't I don't I've never done it before I said what if you have a mentor yeah well yeah if you'll give me a mentor I'll do it mm -hmm. I said I'll mentor you I've got a couple other people who will mentor you mm -hmm. well do I have to study the lesson I said what do you want to do and she thought about it. She came back the next week. She said, I'd like to do the Christian Atheist. I'd like to do a, yeah. a connect group on the Christian Atheist by Craig Grishel. Mm. Okay. She said, I'll commit to, I think she committed to eight weeks. The other thing, Justin, that's been great is we have another elder, uh, Yvette, who she, when the pandemic hit, we switched and very quickly to doing prayer circles on Wednesday night. Mm. And she immediately got young people involved. Mm -hmm. Would you have this prayer? Would you do this? Would you? And, and a year later, we're going on to a year, and these young people are—they still come mm -hmm. on the call every night mm -hmm. from seven thirty to eight thirty. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that that I believe makes it so crucial that Alan—that's that why I, you get the fun part of ministry. Young people, young adults, youth—they're adaptable. Yes. So w w they shifted immediately. I mean. I'm 51. I like to think I'm young. I'm not. And my wife says, you know, you, for, a, for a person who promotes change, you don't do it very well. <laughs> and, yeah. Thanks, babe. Yeah. You know? And so, but my, you know, my, my kids, they, they shift. I mean, they, they had to yeah. shift and, and they were okay with it. I'm, we're freaking out. Mom and dad, we're freaking mm -hmm. out. Oh, you're moving online. They're like, okay, it, hey, great. We don't have to go to school. We don't have to dress up. We can just sit in front of a of a computer uh, there's a, there's also another thing about these young adults and these youth they're accepting mm -hmm. yeah. they don't know who not to accept right right they it, it doesn't matter if you're lesbian gay 
if, if you're black, white, brown, they don't care about skin color, they don't care about orientation, they don't care about anything. They just, they just know if, they, if you're a human, you deserve to be treated. My, my, my daughter, my 15-year-old daughter, has taught me things mm. about acceptance of other people. Mm. Wow. And so just growing young as I've been watching it take place in Louisville, that's one of the things that these young people are teaching us mm-hmm. is you say you want to be a church for the unchurched. That means you need to welcome everybody that walks in. Mm-hmm. And you need to welcome us. Don't walk, don't walk in. Man, so rich. Thank you yeah. so much for sharing. I'm going to give uh, a chance for our pastors to actually address our pastors. And as you've been on the journey, as they are, they've been exposed to it. They've listened to it. They were inspired by it. They're, they're considering what they can do. And there's an upcoming court that's coming up. Like, I, I would love for each of you to, you know, take the next 30 seconds each. Please keep it at 30 seconds. Just to, just to encourage. She didn't say 30 minutes. <laughs> encourage our pastor to say, hey, just give this a chance. Begin the journey. It doesn't have to be perfect. Be willing to listen and, you know, and undergo it. If you, were, if you had to make an appeal, a 30-second appeal to our pastors, what would it be? Well, I, I would say that uh, you can expect for all churches to grow old. Mm-hmm. Um, but sadly, not all churches grow strategically. Mm. Uh, if, if you want for your church to continue growing, you will need to have certain strategy. And I think growing young, is a, it, it's, it, it's, a, it's a great curriculum. It's something that will enable you to grow for, for decades because it's about culture change. It's not about what you do as a pastor, because another pastor may come right after you mm-hmm. with different ideas, with different approach. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but if, the, if the culture of the church is changed, mm-hmm. then there's an impact that will make a difference for generations. Yeah. Yes. 48 seconds. 48, wow. <laughs> <laughs> to me, I would sum it up in saying, <coughs> you know, different people have different boxes they like to project when they talk about ministry in church, but when you strip it all away, the, the words and the pictures, <clears throat> it's really basic Bible principles, Jesus' death and resurrection in us to help our own members and to help a hurting community. To me, growing young does that. Um, you don't have to reinvent the wheel. It's already kind of giving you a system and how your church can work together to then also help the community. It, when I read it and our leaders thought the same thing, it's not that we didn't know it. It's not rocket science. It's nothing new, mm-hmm. but that should be good and affirming. It's just simply so you don't have to spend all your time as a church trying to figure out where's the roadmap. Or yeah. It's just, well, here it is, and it just kind of helps you and saves you time to kind of do and go in the direction you mm-hmm. kind of already want to anyway because it helps your church and helps your community. Yeah. It, yeah. It, it just helps you save time. It's a no-brainer. Yeah. Well, I think what, what I would say is that um, if, if your church is in a good place and uh, it's enjoying success, that's the, that's the greatest enemy yeah. of your future. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so unless we are strategic now to start planning for next year, five years, 10 years, and what's the church gonna look like then? We're dead, we just don't know it yet. Mm -hmm. And so we don't wanna be one of those statistic churches, and so I would encourage you pastors, plan now, be strategic, and get the conversation going with all your generations, because that will take you places that you would have never dreamed possible. Well said. I would give this appeal. And very simply this, Justin. Jesus believed in growing young. I've been taking our congregation, Alan, through 
the book of John, Gospel of John. Yeah. That was the youngest disciple. Yeah. Uh, theologians believe that John was probably 18, 19 years old right. mm -hmm. when Jesus asked him to come be a disciple. Mm -hmm. And he was the longest aged disciple. He made it all the way to probably about 90 years old. Mm -hmm. And look mm -hmm. at the impact that he made in mm -hmm. 70 years of his life because Jesus said, I believe in you as a young person mm -hmm. to come and be my mm -hmm. disciple. So if Jesus could do it and your congregation says, we want to do things that are biblical, this there is you biblical. go. There you go. Amen. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Solid. Woo. All right, Pastor Martin. Um, there is this passage where the disciples were on a road and they were having conversations and they didn't know exactly who it was with them. And at the end of this time when Jesus disappeared from their presence, they looked at each other and had to reflect, wasn't our hearts burning within us? Mm -hmm. And even in the conversations that we've had here, as we've shared stories, as we've listened to one another, just these little glimpses of our lives and ministry and so forth, it's like um, my heart is burning within me. And so to the pastors that are out there, the leaders of our churches out there, it's time for us as leaders to begin listening because there's tremendous stories of what God's already doing in our world. And we have an opportunity to join him in what he's already doing. Mm -hmm. So I want to encourage you, that maybe the first step you're going to do is simply ask simple questions and open your ears and your spirit to the stories of growing young together mm -hmm. that God's going to share through your people, through your community, and through your colleagues. Amen. One of my favorite verses comes from Malachi 4, where in the last days God is going to turn the hearts of their parents to their children, turn the hearts of their children to their parents. Mm -hmm. This intergenerational reconciliation is prophesied. It's bound to happen. It has to happen for the work to be finished. And we see glimpses of the Spirit at work at our churches. And it is our prayer that all of us here in Texas Conference and beyond would undergo this particular journey to reconcile and collaborate together for the future that God has in store for us. With that, we bid you farewell. Peace. Adios. <laughs> Adios. God bless.